How is sin tied to the gift of faith? Why is confession of sin not optional in living the Christian life? So far in our reflection on faith, coming to today, the last Sunday to reflect on the gift of our faith, we started with reflecting on how faith is not just an action of our mind giving our mental assent to belief in God, but that through the gift of faith, the grace of faith that God gives us, we embody it. It becomes incarnated in the way that we live, that it's all-consuming of our life. We also reflected on how the grace of faith wants to heal us, wants to make us whole, wants to make us holy. Last week, we reflected that this gift of faith requires a response from us, and how humble prayer is the way that we respond to that gift of faith that comes from God. But what is the character of that prayer? What is the nature of that humble prayer back to God in response to the gift of faith? Well, if we think of what is this faith that we believe in, what do we believe particularly as Christians that sets us apart? We believe that Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, by his suffering and death and resurrection, has brought us something, brought to humanity, brought to the world, something that did not exist before that moment in time. That by his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, he has set us free from sin and death. Which by acknowledging that, what we are saying as Christians is every human effort up until that point to be in communion and in relationship with God came up short. It failed. That only by the Son of God taking flesh and suffering and dying on the cross and rising from the dead, so as to set us free from sin and death, can we hope to be in perfect relationship with God. The Catechism goes so far as to say, the gospel, the whole of the good news, is the revelation in Jesus Christ of God's mercy to sinners. And that to receive his mercy, we must admit our faults. They summarize the whole of the gospel is the revelation in Jesus of God's mercy. That's the good news. God's mercy given to sinners. And to receive this gift of mercy that comes through faith, we must admit our faults. That is at the heart of living the Christian life, is becoming aware of where we are lacking, of where we sin, so as to receive the mercy that we require to overcome the sin and the death that exists within our own life, so as to be in perfect love with God. Right? Because Reflecting last week on humble prayer, we said that this humble prayer requires mind, body, and soul together. And that that comes from the great commandment that we must love the Lord our God with all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Which means that anything short of that lacks perfection and requires grace. Right? You've heard many times throughout your life that to be a Christian is the call to be like Christ. 
So until the day that we become like Christ, we are in need of grace. We are in need of mercy. But to receive that mercy, we must be willing to admit our fault. Now, you could ask the question, as Catholics, are we a little too preoccupied with sin? Are we a little obsessed with worrying about sinfulness in our life? You know, the old saying of this Catholic guilt that we carry around, because we're always hyper-conscious of wherever we sit. Maybe. Why don't we just, you know, yeah, of course, worry about the big sins, the sins where we bring chaos and violence into the world and harm ourselves and harm others, but, you know, like those lesser sins, why don't we just, like, slough them off and move on in life? Why, don't we, why do we pay so much attention to even small sins in the way that we live our Christian life? Well, what is the consequence in our life of not treating sin, all sin, with severity? I've narrowed it down to three. First, not actually living for God, but living for something less. What do I mean by that? Well, again, we are called to love God with all of our mind, all of our heart, and all of our strength. And so if that's not what we are striving for, if we are not striving to be like Christ, but we're settling for something less, then we're not actually living for the promise that God has given to us. We're living for an idea that we have for ourselves of what human goodness might look like, but we're not living for the plan of salvation, the plan of human goodness that God has revealed to us in Jesus. The second, if we don't treat sin with its right severity, what we create is isolation in relationships with others. Why? For fear of judgment. Because those of you that are married know better than me, when you are in a relationship with someone else, what does it do? It brings out all of your faults. There is no way to hide your faults when you are married to someone. You might be able to fake it for a while, but eventually your faults come out. You are seen for who you are in your entirety. Right? When we're in public, we can kind of put on a little bit of a mask of an ear where people won't be able to see everything about us, but in marriage, you can't hide. And so when we don't treat sin with its proper severity, what we end up doing is we pull away from being in real, genuine relationship with others because others might judge us. If they see us for who we truly are, they might reject us. And the third, we actually fall into the trap of proliferating other sins and losing sight of what the cause is. What do I mean? Well, it would be like if you were driving down the highway and your car broke down in the middle of nowhere, and you curse your car for breaking down. But you hadn't done an oil change in 40,000 kilometers. The problem's not the car. The problem is that you didn't do the oil change. And when we don't treat sin with its proper severity, what happens is we lose sight of what the cause is, and we get frustrated with particular sins in our life and not being able to recognize what the cause of it is. We just get frustrated with this surface sin 
and we never allow ourselves to see what the root sin is in our life. Now, on the flip side, what happens if we do not face sin with mercy, face sin with God? The first is a loss of hope that I can even be saved. Because the reality is, is that facing our sin without Christ is a taste of hell. Just like when we come to receive the sacraments, it is a taste of heaven. Facing our sin by ourselves is a taste of hell, which is why we don't like to do it. And if we face it that way, if we do not face our sin with mercy, we start to lose hope that we can actually be saved. We start to think that our sin is too great to be forgiven, which is not what the Gospels tell us. The second is, again, we isolate from relationship from others, but this time out of a sense of who could love me. If they really saw who I was, if they knew who I really was, they wouldn't be able to love me. And so we pull back from relationship again. And the last is if we do not face our sin with mercy, we self-impose punishment. That when we become our own judge, when we judge ourselves for our sin, we are very harsh judges. And so we impose punishment on ourselves, either depriving ourselves of things or mentally accusing ourselves of things, and we impose judgment and punishment on ourselves if we do not face our sin with mercy. See, these two extremes, not really treating sin with severity or not facing sin with mercy, the only way those two extremes can come together is in Jesus. Jesus is the one who allows us to actually look at the depth of the sin that we have, to go down to the minutest sin that we have and want to eradicate it but to face that with mercy. And we see that in the prayer of the tax collector today. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And for those of you from the Ukrainian Catholic tradition, you'll know that that is part of the Ukrainian Catholic act of contrition in confession. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, cleanse me of my sin. I have sinned without number. Lord, have mercy. It's Jesus who allows us to look at the truth of who we are with the gift of mercy. So that the good news is that we can admit all of our fault and that it actually becomes a source of hope, a source of life. Now I'm going to test your memory. In the last few weeks, remember that faith, the gift of faith, is much more than just an ascent of your will, an ascent of your mind that I believe that God exists. That the gift of faith, authentic gift of faith, has to have an answer to the deepest human questions, like, why do I suffer? Remember that the gift of faith wants to bring us healing, that there are wounds in our life beyond material wounds 
that require healing and that the only way they can be healed is if we present them to the divine physician and allow him to see the healing that needs to take place. And remember that real authentic prayer requires humility and dependence and vulnerability. And all three of these things are there to lead us into an authentic contrition for our sin. That moving faith from the mind to the body to your whole life happens when you are willing to admit your sin before God and it's received with mercy. That you get out of your head automatically when you make a sincere act of contrition. That the wound that God most wants to heal in our life is the wound that's inflicted by sin. We generally do not acknowledge the consequence of sin in our life, in mind, heart, and in body. And finally, to be able to enter into prayer humbly and with dependence and vulnerably leads us to opening all of ourselves up to God. That we hold nothing back, most especially the worst parts of ourself that even we don't like to look at. This is the good news. This is what Jesus brings us in our life that can't be found anywhere else. This is what he offers you. Because the gift of faith is mercy. And the fruit of that mercy and faith is peace. And the effect of faith is perfect communion with God and our neighbor.